the uh, president of the United States was making a visit to Dallas in 1963. President's car is now turning on to Elm Street. We were listening to the dispatcher because he's giving the motorcade's location block by block. Uh, my lieutenant said, well, they shot the president. I didn't believe it because I was just listened to him and he was all right. But the dispatcher started carrying on about it, so I realized he's telling me the truth. About that time, the sheriff's department reported an officer was being shot in Oak Cliff. As a result, any prisoners that was arrested connected with that was also assigned to me. In fact, one of the first that was brought in was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. When I asked him about shooting the police officer, he said, I didn't shoot anybody. He knew we were gonna wrap him with a presidential shooting sooner or later, and he wanted to get his denial in. He hadn't shot anybody. On a Sunday, uh, the 24th, we were going to transfer Lee Harvey Oswald to the Dallas County Jail. We had so many threats called in, they was going to take Oswald away from us and do all sorts of bad things to him. I said, what I'm going to do is just handcuff myself to him. So if they take him, they got to take me, and I'm not going to go willingly. Just as we was getting ready to go down, I told him, and Lee, if anybody shoots at you, I hope he's as good a shot as you are. He kind of laughed, and he said, oh, nobody's going to shoot at me. As we walked into the basement, I saw Jack Ruby. He was standing in the crowd of reporters and police officers. He had the pistol in his left hand pressed against his leg. I was able to reach across and catch him by the shoulder because I had jerked on Oswald trying to pull him behind me, and I was pulling him toward me. He switched the gun over to his right hand and uh, pulled the trigger. He's been shot. He's been shot. Lee Oswald has been shot. There's a man with a gun. Bob Jackson snapped a photo of Lee Harvey Oswald and myself, which won a Pulitzer Prize, and it has been printed more than any other Pulitzer Prize picture. Lee Harvey Oswald shot President Kennedy, and had I gone to trial with it, I had enough evidence that I could prove to anybody's satisfaction that, it, that he was the lone shooter. There was no conspiracy, no. Welcome to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Ryan, Larry, Joshua, the Illumamami herself, and on the landline today, Mr. Andy Shatner. Hey, what's going on? Hello. And on today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are going to go into our part two on the JFK assassination.
why I say, hey man, nice shot. It was a nice shot. It was a far, far and away <laughs> badass a shot. A little too nice of a shot. If It's a good shot, man. Well, <laughs> I wanted to say real quick off the top, that uh, opening G- clip, that was James Lavelle. Uh, he was the former Texas homicide detective. Um, and that was his account of the whole hmm. assassination, the process from the 22nd to the 24th. I thought that was fascinating because getting an account from somebody who was there, he sounds like he's he sounds like he's still committed to the idea. But as we're going to talk about today, there are still many left unturned uh, stones in this in this assassination, this conspiracy. And uh, I wanted to get um before we got too far into it, since we've got Andy on the line, I wanted to kind of get his perspective on it before we jump in and start kind of talking about the release from the uh, Obama, or not Obama, the Trump administration. Obama doesn't release shit. Anyway, Andy, what do you what do you think about this whole thing? Well, it's it's interesting. I was listening to the first part of the podcast yesterday, and it, it was about an hour and a half, and you guys covered so many different topics, and each of those topics, you could have an hour and a half show on just that single topic that you brought up. That's how complex this assassination um, investigation is. Um, and from what I, from my perspective, I've read probably over 50 books on this. Yeah. Um, some of the best research is by Harold Weisberg, who was one of the first persons to actually like write a book on it. Um, he had to self-publish like his first four or five books because no publisher would dare print what he wrote because he basically got all the files from the Warren Commission that were released to the public. And he went through those files and he was like, "Wait a second they cherry picked evidence to, you know, convict Oswald. So he basically mm-hmm. used the commission's own evidence against them and proved that Oswald did not shoot Kennedy, that there was more than one shooter. Um, so he, he, from the very beginning, you know, revealed the shortcomings of the, um, of the Warren commission. He was why he called his book whitewash, mm-hmm. um, the report on the Warren report. Um, so it's, it's, it's just fascinating that all these years have gone by and it's still like, we don't have any official mission. Like, okay, you know, maybe Oswald didn't do it. And people forget that there was a second investigation into the assassination, the house select committee on assassinations. And they came up with a completely different verdict. Mm-hmm. They said, okay, Oswald shot, you know, Kennedy, but there was a second shooter on the grassy. No. So by mm-hmm. that, the very definition, that's a conspiracy. You have two people shooting at Kennedy. So why didn't they investigate further? They were supposed to, but they just decided not to for whatever reason. So in your mind, from doing all the research and reading that you did, is there anything, like, do you do you hold any credence to the Umbrella Man? or you know? A lot you... of that is just, uh, what do you call red herrings? You know, they yeah. throw that stuff out there to get you looking the other way and also to make, you know, assassination research, you know, researchers kooky. Oh, they're, you know, the Umbrella Man. And mm-hmm. um, so, but, uh, um... I just lost my train of thought. No, you're good. Uh, um, from just from reading everything, and even I actually corresponded with Harold Weisberg. Uh, wow, a few, to- a few times over the years. He's a really cool. He's a really cool guy. I mean, he wrote on an old school typewriter. Nice, you know. So I get these letters in the mail written on an huh. old school typewriter. Oh wow! And sometimes, like one of the letters would be broken, and he'd write it in ink, you know, or something. If oh, there's wow. an R broken, and, and it's just, he was a really cool guy. And um, you know, I just asked him one time. I was like, okay, well, you know, he, he was 
was he was kind of a big critic of the whole JFK movie because he thought it was just kind of too many things in there, a lot mm-hmm. of too too many conjectures and just speculations, and he kind of wished it focused more on the evidence. And I just asked him flat out, well, what is your like personal theory? And his whole thing was since the military controlled the autopsy from the very beginning, and the autopsy was the one thing that was going to prove where the shots came from, how many shots there were. And they, since they controlled the autopsy, he believes it was like a military conspiracy. Oh. That they're the ones that basically pulled it off because they're the ones that actually helped had the body in its possession. And, you know, they had, they absolutely kicked everybody out of the autopsy room when, when they're doing the autopsy. There's no citizens, no civilians in the room at the time. Who, typi- um, who typically would do a uh, autopsy in a, on a president? Well, at that time, there was no law about that. It basically, according to Texas law, since Kennedy was killed in Texas, he should have had an autopsy in Texas. Okay. But the Secret Service illegally took the body from Dallas and flew it back to uh, Bethesda Hospital for an autopsy. So that's another like, thing I the mean, Secret Service got wrong. Yeah, I know. It's like, I mean, it's crazy because they, they had their guns drawn. They had machine guns drawn at the, at, at the hospital saying, we're oh, taking the body. And the, wow. the, the hospital's like, no, you're not taking it. And they're like, we have to do an autopsy. And it was like, there was a big fight and a big tussle before they finally got the got the casket out of there. It sounds more like more intense than the more intense guarding there than was actually going on when he was yeah, doing his exactly. ride through the exactly city. i don't know if you saw that footage of uh right before they started the motorcade uh the secret service the one that uh that was supposed to you know guard the president mm-hmm. they told them all to get off the limousine and go get off the and get on the other cars and he was he was going hey what's going on we, why are you telling me to leave i'm supposed to guard the president and he was throwing his hands up in the air like what are you doing so it's right. weird that like you know from the very beginning the the security was so lapsed you know and they're yeah. trying to blame it on kennedy saying kennedy didn't want the secret service uh, on the limo and that's total like that's a complete fabrication because kennedy always deferred to the secret service when it came to his safety he mm-hmm. said look the secret service can do whatever they need to do to protect me he would he would have never told them to stay off the limousine you know so and it would seem logical too with them having the top off of the the convertible like the 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 vehicle didn't have the cover that it had had earlier so it seemed like maybe there should have just been like one or two guys even just trotting along yeah, exactly. And the, the, like I said, there was a secret service agent that was protesting. Why? How come I can't stay on? How come I have to leave the limousine? I can't. How come I can't stay on and guard the president? He was very frustrated and threw his hands in the air. Right. Um, so there's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of things that add up, and you know, a lot of you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. Now, what did you think of JFK overall as a president? Um, I thought he's probably one of our, our better presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely, you know. He was, you know, he was a Democrat, but he was definitely um, strong. He was definitely anti-communist. Um, he wasn't as anti-communist as a lot of like Republicans at the time thought. But you know, um, he uh, in his first term, he he basically, you know, he did send advisors to Vietnam. But according to everybody that worked for him, um, his closest advisors, he was planning on pulling out of Vietnam after he got reelected. You know, he knew at the time that he couldn't do it politically at the time because he, you know, he had he had to face the reelection. Um, so John Newman has a great book called JFK in Vietnam, where he goes through all the documents and and interviews and with uh, a lot of his, um, you know, his, his staff and um, cabinet members and just documents that were released through FOIA requests. And he pretty much proves beyond a shadow of doubt that Kennedy was pulling out of v- Vietnam. Yeah. And 
that's where you can get into like you know who like I said the military. I mean, there's all these military contracts that were you know going to be going into effect, and people are going to be making a lot of money off this war. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's where you can get the military aspect for as as a suspect in, in in this case. And I felt like after our first episode, specifically, a lot of us were were feeling from the information given that it felt very much like. If if say LBJ was kind of undermining him and it was some sort of a military thing that big money being in the military might have had some influence in this whole thing too. Oh yeah, even LBJ's mistress says LBJ was involved. LBJ was definitely involved. He may yeah. not have like planned it, but oh, he he definitely benefited from it. And I'm sure he was like, oh, just go right ahead. You got my full blessing. <laughs> right, of course. You know? Yeah, Lyndon Big Balls Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I love those White House tapes. I mean, yeah. that guy. It's funny. They they they're all like you know people are all over Trump for saying you know shithole, and you should hear Lyndon Johnson like what all the shit he said you know on those tapes. It's like he makes Trump look like an angel. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm sure Johnson was insane. I'm sure even our blessed George Washington had a few crass oh, yeah. things to say about <laughs> people occasionally. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so let's get into some information here. Now, I was on uh, the history.com website, and they actually had a really interesting article that came out that I was kind of going to break down here. But um, so as of October of last year now, um, more than 2,800 previously classified records relating to the assassination of President President John F. Kennedy um, were were released. Um, now, as uh, CNN, uh, which you can take with a grain of salt, reported, among the earliest revelations to emerge from the newly released files were CIA notes on an intercepted telephone call on September 28th of 1963 from Lee Harvey Oswald to KGB agent in Mexico City, um, and evidence that the FBI's Dallas office received a threat on Oswald's life on November 23rd, 1963, the night before Jack Ruby shot him from a man saying he was a, quote, member of a committee organized to kill Oswald, unquote. Now, these records were made public under the 1992 John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act, which mandated that all material housed at the National Archives... So, so there was a committee to kill Lee Harvey Oswald? Do you think they were like, finally, our time has come! <laughs> Wait years for this! Well, I think it was... I think if it's, if it's, a, if it's like a under under wraps kind of cover up thing that maybe this was something that was kind of in the, in the whole plan to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we have somebody, um, cause technically they knew, and is this is just another failure between the FBI and the secret, uh, secret service. The FBI could have communicated with them like, Hey, we've got a guy that tried to defect to Russia at some point. Yeah. He also lives on the path of the motorcade <laughs> that's going to drive past 20,000, you know, uncleared windows un- that we never checked. Yeah. N- windows we never checked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just another botch of this whole thing. Um, all that material was housed in the National Archives about the assassination. Assassination. It was made public on October 26th. <laughs> and those S's get me. Yeah, um, that's one good thing the JFK movie did. It basically, you know, caused such a furor that the government just had to be like, okay, we have to release some documents here. <laughs> right. You know. Well, it's just like, if you have that much, I mean, I know government paperwork. It's boring as fuck. A lot of it is just like 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's tedious. Per- precise language. I mean, if you've ever tried to turn in paperwork to like the Secretary of State or even with the VA being a vet myself, it's like you almost need a lawyer just to, to make sure that you're, 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 nailing every little are you sure this is your name yeah right do i put the yeah, you or know, and you have to know what you're looking for too like like the researchers over there i mean they they know exactly specifically what to look for and you, if you're not experienced looking through government documents you're not going to find anything right more than likely right so um yeah i finally got my paperwork and it says redacted shot redacted <laughs> awesome <laughs> Um, so anyway, October 26th was the actual uh, 25 years from uh, the the anniversary of the act now. Um, but because of U.S. national security, which we brought up before, um, intelligence agencies led President Trump to block the release of thousands of the remaining files just hours before the deadline. Now, I almost wonder if when these actually, when the six months up, if we should do like a follow-up episode. Yeah. Because I'm not sure... Because I did... There's more that's supposed to be released, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, There is a pretty sizable chunk, too. Um, I would be interested to read it. Again, I think... I was listening to InfoWars, and he was talking about the day when this was all released, and Alex was basically saying, I'm pretty sure when those come out, they're going to be covered in black ink. (laughs) Which I'm... Wouldn't yeah. be surprised yeah. if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a bulk of that massive collection had was made available in October and either in full or redacted form already. But tens of thousands of documents had remained classified, presumably because they contain the information. So what is in these documents? Let's get to it. Interesting things, maybe? Mm, what did JFK have for breakfast that morning? <laughs> what did you guys have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I didn't have breakfast. I didn't have breakfast either. I had, uh, oh, I had one of those shitty gas station croissant. You're uh, playing like with those, man. <laughs> playing with toilet fire. I know. Right? No kidding. Uh, I was flipping a switch there. And I took my acid reducer right after that. But Good deal. I had pancakes and sausage. They were pancake Ooh. sausage bites, too. Yeah. Yeah. I had a Jimmy Dean breakfast bowl. They had uh, scrambled eggs and black beans and peppers and onions and uh, chorizo. That sounds like she wins on that. It was was, okay. It was in a microwave, so it wasn't that good, but. Right. I think the wall's vibrating again. The wall's purring. Um, Okay. So, of the documents that were originally set to be released, some 3,100 had never been seen by the public before. Wow. Though a few experts expected the final batch of files to offer up a smoking gun, proving Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone in killing Kennedy in Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. The last batch of files were expected to provide more insight into exactly how much U.S. national security agencies knew about Oswald, which is important, uh, before the assassination and how much information the CIA and FBI withheld from the official investigation into the assassination, which concluded in 1964. Now, many of the most anticipated remaining files relate to a trip Oswald took to Mexico City in September of 1963, just two months before he shot Kennedy. During his visit, Oswald went to the Cuban embassy and met with officials in his attempt to get a visa to travel to Cuba and then to go to the Soviet Union. Many of the files also originally set for release reported reportedly come from the CIA office in Mexico City and may reveal whether U.S. operatives there knew of Oswald's plan to kill Kennedy, which he reportedly talked openly about during his trip. Now, 
I don't know how they would know that. You know what I mean? Well, they had well the the embassies in um, Mexico, like for the Soviet. I mean, they were they were totally bugged. So yeah. Um, and I think I read a document about um, some research uncovered, like they had that somebody was listening to the conversation, and they're like that it didn't sound it wasn't it didn't sound like Oswald, like it was somebody hmm. else. Hmm. And they released pictures of what, who of this a person who was supposedly Oswald at the embassy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even look like him. Like yeah. Donny Osmond, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> Elvis Presley. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Now, Gerald Ger- Gerald Posner, an expert Gerald on Posner. yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <laughs> on the Kennedy assassination, author of the book Cold Case speculated that the revelations contained in the latest batch of files might prove embarrassing to some prominent figures. "Quote: There may be people who were informing to the CIA at the time who had moved on to careers in politics and business, and the revelation that they were informing will be embarrassing to them. So that kind of too fucking bad. I think that <laughs> yeah. at this point, with I mean, we're going to do a Clinton episode down the line, but I mean, we see embarrassing things in politics all the time. Namely, enough, you know, shit, shithead Clinton with her you know, dead emails. bodies to build yourself to the moon." <laughs> Oh boy. Um so anyway, Posner, am I saying that right? Posner? Posner. Posner. Gerald Posner. Posner. Yeah. Posner. Posner. However you think it's pronounced, do the opposite. Do the opposite. Yep. Posner. <laughs> Posner. Okay, also believes the files may contain intriguing items unrelated to the assassination, including an a handwritten letter from Jackie Kennedy about her husband's funeral and a previously classified letter oh, wow. from J.R. Edgar Hoover. Um Philip Shannon Author of a, a uh, Philip Shannon, S H E N O N. He was author of A Cruel and Shocking Act The Secret History of the Kennedy Assassination. Uh, I, just, I read that book. <laughs> That's why you're here, buddy. You read so many, yeah. forget some. <laughs> I'm like, I, I forgot the author's name, though. No, you're good. You're good. Um, now, he wrote in Politico that the new batch of files also contains a transcript transcript of a 1976 interview by congressional investigators of James Jesus Angleton, director of counterintelligence for the CIA in 1963 and the main conduit of information between the agency and the Warren Commission, which investigated the agency or investigated the assassination. I'm sorry. So is there... I, you brought up uh, the guy that you had correlated with the, with the typewriter, Harold Weisberg. Harold, Harold Weisberg. Is there any way? Like, what's the best place for people to find those books? Is it? Um, you know, what? I'm not 100 percent sure because the I think they ordered through, through uh, from him directly from the Dallas, um, Texas I'm, book depository. Probably the best place. <laughs> yeah, to get that. There. I'm. Oh, I'm sure you can find them on like Amazon, uh, and I think a lot of them have been like reproduced and um, reissued from other publishers. Um, but you know, I, I'm not sure because, like I said, those books have been out like you know he put those out in the '60s and '70s. I found so. a website when you because know, Larry had had sent me a message about about him, and I looked on his his website, but it was like, well, if we're gonna do the cover all this, we might as well just start a side podcast called <laughs> the JFK files and just yeah. comb through it piece by piece. Yeah. Um, he, um, I, I mean, I don't know. You didn't mention this. I mean, obviously I didn't have time, but he, he, he's probably the, the one researcher that like 
use the Freedom of Information Act the most out of any researcher. He told he he had gotten thousands and thousands of documents from the FBI, CIA, White House, and all of it he had in files in his basement. And a lot of researchers would go to his house and you know to look at his files because he had so much information. Um, and at one of the FOIA uh, hearings, you know, because they're, they're denying him something he wanted, so he had to have a hearing. And an FBI agent basically admitted that he knows more about the Kennedy assassination than, like, the FBI does. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and after he died, he um, he had all his files um, given to Hood College in Frederick, Maryland, because he still is where he lived. And all those files have been scanned in, uh, have been scanned, and now you can look at all those files on line um, i think that's what i was looking wow. at yeah yeah so if you just if you just type in hood college weisberg archive it'll 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 take you right there and you can look at every piece of uh document he 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 he'd gotten from the government when this started ep- investigating when this episode drops we'll post a link on our social oh yeah that'd be great medias. yeah so people and it's funny out. gerald posner went to his house to investigate and he totally like lied about like what his intentions were because mm-hmm. he told Harold Weisberg he's like well I don't have no opinion on this I, you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open minded and he had I mean he had so many documents he could have that Harold Weisberg pointed to to him to show that hey look there's some fishy stuff going on here mm-hmm. and he just totally wrote this you know his case closed book is a total whitewash it's basically a defense of the Warren Commission and he left out so many things and he and he used research that wasn't his and claimed it was his it's just a very sloppy book you know and, and I think a I lot really of I think a lot of that comes from it, it's this. It's a similar way that like most of these big politicians or like um, people who who get bad publicity, or whenever the government has to deal with backlash, they always try to like either change the the media um, outlook by switching everybody view to like Kim Kardashian's ass for a minute, <laughs> and then you know kind of like what the are not the current administration but the Obama administration did to kind of get everybody not to be looking at all the drone attacks and all the bullshit. Oh, I know, yeah. Like, what, 20 minutes into Obama's presidency, he did a drone strike. It's right. Like, Yay. Yeah. I just won the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Boom. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, so anyway. Well, just, real, oh, just real quick. Um, I just no, went on no. Amazon. Yeah, all his, all his whitewash books are available on Amazon. So you can order those. Perfect. And they're very reasonably priced. And he even, like, wrote a book called Case Open, which is like a rebuttal of, uh, of uh, Gerald Posner's Case Closed oh. book. Oh. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's cool, man. Cause it's like, it's night, it, you know, if obviously it was this man's life and that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, I wish I could have spent more time just reading through those sites, but obviously being a full-time dad slash yeah. male prostitute, I don't get a lot of time, but this, this whole thing has become so much more fascinating in the last couple of weeks, just getting into this. So, um, okay. So d- despite the commission's official conclusion in 64, that Oswald acted alone in killing Kennedy, many believe, p- many people have held fast to the belief that more than one person had to be involved. And I kind of feel... I mean, I know we got a verdict at the end, but I kind of feel like there's a lot of validity to that. And if not certainty, um, it certainly didn't help that Oswald never stood trial for the crime, having been shot to death by Jack Ruby two days after Kennedy's assassination. I feel like that leads itself to a conspiracy. Yeah. Be stupid not to question it. Yeah. 
Um, speculation about Oswald's activities on his Mexico trip have long fueled one of the most popular JFK related conspiracies, which argues that Cuban dictator Fidel Castro plotted to assassinate Kennedy as revenge for the Bay of Pigs invasion. I think that might end up being an episode down the line, but Bay of Pigs was kind of a disaster. Um, oh yeah. He and, heard that from Eisenhower. Yeah. And he kind of reluctantly was like, okay, let's do it. And <laughs> yeah. And that's part of, I mean, Ke- Kennedy was surrounded by like the kind of hard charged. Uh, oh yeah. That's military. what, le- that's what led to uh, Charles Cabal being fired, you know, the head of the CIA. Yeah. And, oh, interesting, since we're talking about the new release documents, I mean, not to jump ahead, but, like, it, it turned out Earl Cabal, who, his brother, who was the mayor of Dallas at the time, used to work for the CIA. Mm. He was a CIA asset. It just came, it came out in the new documents that they were released. Yeah. That's so. just crazy to me, too. It's, like, it's it's kind of similar in a creepy way to this, the thing we brought up in the last episode with the connections between Oswald and... Uh, the uh the lincoln wilkes booth like the the kind of odd eerie yeah, that's weird that's very bizarre yeah it's, it's almost like they planned it that way yeah. like <laughs> yeah yeah um so now um obviously i don't think that i i mean fidel castro i don't know is it, i kind of seem I, I wouldn't compare him to like say like a dictator like Kim Jong Un or anything like that, but I mean, he was not a swell guy, though. No, he wasn't yeah, a swell he guy. Was a swell guy. <laughs> but yeah. it's still at the same time. I don't know how. I mean, we it's talked about they, the they, Cuban Air Force. Well, it, made, it would make no sense for him to kill Kennedy. I mean, if somebody found out, I mean, Cuba would be would be gone. There would be no Cuba today. It would be a, you know, yeah. nuked. There's so yeah, much made up about him to us Americans. Uh, I mean, just. Doing a simple baseball podcast with Marty, we we dug into this rumor that he was angry with America because the Yankees didn't sign him. When we dig into that, it was all a made up story to to just pitch to the American press, right? Yeah, yeah. To the end, I mean, Castro and Kennedy had a, a fairly decent relationship. They were getting, you know, they wanted to get along and you know figure things out. Um, so there was just no reason that he had no motive. They probably f- fucked the same chicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I think they did. Quite honest. They're right. Peter in laws. They were running a train on Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> you know, I got to. Okay. And I, we'll bring up the mistresses in the second half. Yes. But I want to say real quick, all the Marilyn Monroe stuff seems kind of like to me. After reading it, I feel like maybe they hooked up once and then maybe there was it became a thing. It became so much more of a thing yeah. than it really was. Yeah, because from from every from whatever it says and all the evidence, I mean, she had an affair right with Bobby after after John. Because mm. John was like, I can't really be with you because mm. you know I'm the president. And you're Marilyn Monroe. It's kind of hard to hide Ooh, that. Yeah. Sloppy you seconds know? from Big Brother. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Robert Kennedy, <laughs> literally uh, took over. Well. We'll get into Mary. Hey, right, isn't it time for you to go home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, okay, so in addition to Castro, um, some of the other conspir- uh, potential conspirators have included the CIA, Vice President, LBJ, Mr. Big Balls himself, the Mafia, oh, yeah. the KGB, or some malicious combination thereof. The success of Oliver Stone's film JFK, which suggested a vast government conspiracy was behind the assassination, helped motivate the U.S. Congress to enact the records, just like our man said mm-hmm. earlier. Mm. Collection, uh, records Collection Act in 1992. 
by its terms, all material related to the assassination would be housed in a single collection at the National Archives. Now, now, how many we talked about um, the the total library of files, which encompasses some five million pages? Holy, Holy shit! Holy crap! Eighty. Wow. That's longer than the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> is, you know, that, that makes J.R.R. Token blush. But not as long as the tax code. No, no, and for uh, Michigan alone, <laughs> right? Um, that five million pages is eighty-eight percent of the uh, the file has been open and available to the public since. Oh, well, you know what? Let me back up. This is of the total library of files, which encompasses some 5 million pages. 88% has been open and available to the public since the late 90s, according to the National Archives. An additional 11% has been released in redacted form with sensitive portions uh, removed. Uh, as the October 2017 deadline approached, the archives released a batch of material in July, including a total of 3,800 documents. Some 441 have been withheld in full until the, that point, and 3,369 previously released in redacted form. Among the released information were 17 audio files of interviews conducted with a KGB officer, Yuri Nosenko, Nosenko, who defected to the United States in early 64, claimed to have been in charge of a file the KGB kept on Oswald during the time he lived in the Soviet Union from 1959 to 62. Now, in the ninety-two law, nineteen ninety-two law, uh, it's the uh, law specified that only the president of the United States could choose to block the release of the remaining records past the October deadline. So um, that's kind of what Trump did on October twenty-first. President Trump announced via Twitter, though, that he planned to allow their release, um, which was a, that. That's awesome. You know, that's the transparency we wanted for a long, long time. Yes. And that's, uh, I think, I think if, if that would have been Obama, I think it would have, they would have pushed it all away. This was a reportedly against the advice of uh, national security. Um, the day before the release, he teased the long anticipated release of the JFK, F, JFK files on Twitter again, calling it very interesting. So, um, but as the end of the deadline day approached, President Trump, had to issue a memo stating that while he ordered that the veil of history finally be lifted, he would block the release of some of the remaining JFK files pending an additional six months of review. But that doesn't mean that they're not coming out. That just basically means he's making sure that for national security purposes, you know, nothing gets out there. Something crazy like, I don't know about Hitler, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Trump's decision came after the U.S. intelligence's national security agencies made last minute recommendations. Um, he said, quote, I have no choice today but to accept these redactions rather than allow potentially reversible harm to our nation's security. I can appreciate that. Instead of the full cache of remaining files, the National Archives posted 2,891 records online. On the evening of October 26, in accordance with President Trump's order, the archive said it would process the additional records for release on a rolling basis going forward. So that means some of them will potentially come out sooner than that. Hmm. Which is good, because uh, it'd be nice to have more transparency with yep. all this stuff. Now, Andy, have you gotten a chance to look at some of these? The- I looked at some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff you brought up already. Um, what yeah. did you What did you think uh, about it overall? Like, did you see anything in it that you thought like? There's, like I said, there's some interesting things. Like, you know, you found out that Eric Cabell, um, you know, the mayor of yeah. Dallas at the time of the assassination, who was, 
you know, the CIA director's brother, you know, was working, worked for the CIA. Um, but technically he was not working for the CIA because his brother was fired at the time, time. But there's an expression about the CIA. Once you work for the CIA, you're always working for the CIA. Right. So that, you know, that kind of doesn't really, you know, mean anything. The fact that officially he wasn't working for the CIA at the time. Um, and, you know, that's where Kennedy was assassinated. So that's, uh, you know, pretty interesting. Um, and, uh, what were some other interesting things? Oh yeah. This is, this I, I found interesting, like, but the CIA said that, you know, there was no link, you know, we didn't have any interest in, 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 um, Oswald. And that's like just patently false, like uh, on face value, because there's just been, there's, there's documents that have already released previously where they were definitely tracking his movement and, and looking into him. So they definitely for sure on record had an interest in him. Now, whether he worked for the CIA, that's another thing. There was a document that was released many years ago that basically said that it was, you know, it was a a memo that said, you know, Oswald was working for the CIA. It like basically admitted it, but the memo was, it was, um, it was marked confidential and something like that wouldn't be marked confidential. That would be like a top secret document. So a lot of people speculate that this is just a forgery. It was just, you know, disinformation. Um, you know, some of the government agencies like to do this thing, like to get people throw, throw the stunt off, like say, you know, there's a rumor that, you know, Oswald worked for the CIA. So what do they do? They release a document that says he does, but it's a fake document. So, you dismiss it and don't even look at it anymore, you know? So, but like I said, John Newman, who's done a lot of research into this and wrote a book called CIA, um, uh, Oswald and the CIA, he, 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 you know, documents that the CIA was interested in Oswald, followed him and, you know, more than likely made contact with him at some point. Right. Just because of the fact that he went to the Soviet union and, you know, tried to defect. Right. You know, and even, um, it's interesting, even the, um, uh, when he went into the, uh, the U S consulate to denounce his citizenship or renounce his citizenship, mm-hmm. um, the, the guy there at the time was saying it felt like it was like a rehearsed thing. Like mm-hmm. he was just doing it as like to tie kind of, you know, it didn't felt, it didn't feel genuine to him. Right. And, you know, Noswell never came back to actually do the official paperwork. So he never really officially renounced his citizenship, you know? Yeah. So, you know, which is great. I mean, it's such a, it's, it's an interesting thing, but another thing to me is that I don't think if him being in the CIA would be like you were saying, I don't see how that would be confidential information. I mean, I mean, you, you, obviously you don't want to have information on who agents are working for. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And you wouldn't want to, like I said, you wouldn't have a confident, a confidential memo where most people could read that. But, right. You know, right. That's why exactly. they have rank that classifications for certain, for certain eyes only. That seems like and, something that was made up to make it look like it was more conspiratorial or more yep. showing more proof, but it's yeah. really, yeah. And the, and who was one, one of the CIA, the head of the CIA, I forgot who it was. Uh, maybe it was William Colby. They they were doing some testimony where he was testifying, and they asked him, "Well, if somebody worked for the CIA and you asked them in court under oath if that person worked for the CIA, would you say that they did?" And they said, "No, we would lie and t- say no." So right. the CIA has been on record saying that they would lie under oath on whether someone was an agent or not. So it's you know yeah. it's pretty you know difficult to prove somebody worked for the CIA if the CIA doesn't want you to know. <laughs> Right. And I think all those branches of service are the 
um, military and, and the CIA and the feds, like they all follow like a set protocol when it comes to like rules of engagement and like prisoner of war type things. So if, if anybody got outed as an agent, I think there'd be a different, there'd be a whole different type of paper trail to that. There wouldn't just be something that says this is confidential. And by the way, he was in the CIA. So please don't look. Yeah. Yeah. Please please don't look at this. Um, So I, we teased at this a little bit in the last episode and kind of earlier here today, but JFK files show informant told CIA Hitler was living in Colombia. And I think I said Argentina in the last episode, but Mm -hmm. no, it was Colombia. So, Fake news. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, obviously, we covered Hitler, and it's a fascinating thing. I think some of us said he probably moseyed I on. Think all three of you said he did, and I was like, no. No way. And now. <laughs> well, yeah, now I mean, there's a picture of him at dinner, and they're saying, is this, is this Hitler? And well, apparently, it probably is. because yeah. Oddly enough, it was a Jewish delicatessen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loved corned beef. Oh, God. Okay, so. Oh, well, doesn't everybody? Yes. According to these newly released JFK files, an informant told the CIA that Adolf Hitler survived World War II and was living with ex-Nazis in Colombia in the 1950s. Yeah, well, the, the, the body that they found that was supposedly him when they finally... You know, did DNA analysis of it. It wasn't Hitler. It, was it wasn't a, even a male. It was, no, a, yeah, woman. It was a female. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so the source told the agent, whose code name was Similodi 3, the former Fuhrer was alive, and that an ex SS agent named Philip Citrone had been in touch with him in the city of Tunja. Literally, he touched him. According to the memo released as part of the JFK files, Citrone told the informant he saw a man who strongly resembled Hitler while working in, quote, residences colonialists. Sorry, I'm not close enough. (laughs) I'm not of the (laughs) land there. A neighborhood populated by former Nazis. He said Germans living there followed this alleged Hitler with, quote, an idolatry of the Nazi past, addressing him as Der Fuhrer and affording him the Nazi salute and stormtrooper adulation. (laughs) So he basically, he's supposed to be dead. He's thinking everyone's still running around calling him their Fuhrer and like Mm -hmm. saluting him and shit. Like, you dumb, dumb. Can what you imagine, are you doing? Can you imagine being like an ex? Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is some Doctor Strange love shit. You and your you and your your wife decide, hey, let's take a nice little vacay to Columbia. You're an ex Navy sailor, or maybe you're like a Army Ranger, part of like storming the beaches and shit. And then you go there and. What the fuck is wrong with this place? That would make you furious. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. Um. So, <laughs> the former SS agent also had a photo of himself with a suspected Hitler who allegedly went by Adolf Schitterly Mir. <laughs> Shitty Mir? Schitterly. It, it looks like Shitty Mare. Adolf Shitty Mare. Adolf Shithole? What? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, CIA memos make it clear the agency was skeptical of this report, calling it, quote, a fantastic story and a, quote, apparent fantasy. Quote, neither Simoldi 3 nor the station is in a position to give an intelligent evaluation of the information and it being forwarded as a po- of possible interest, unquote, read the memo sent by the chief of station in Carcass. They still stick to the idea, though, uh, according to the government, that Hitler committed suicide by gunshot and cyanide in a bunker as the Soviet army rushed into Berlin on April 30th, 1945. But obviously, uh, there's probably more to that. 
I say this is legit. Why would you cyanide and a gunshot? Just to make sure you're dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. really make sure? Like, yeah. well, I thought cyanide is pretty effective. Well, I don't know if you knew this. Um, that's how you activate the cyanide. Oh, <laughs> you shoot it. You have it like, you have it like, uh, it's a chip in your, in your mouth, tooth, and, and then, then you use the bullet to. Yeah, that's how you crack it open. Oh, boy. Like a soda. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to dig into these mistresses. This is the Vegan Black Metal Chef, and you're listening to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast. A kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat, or help you at the automat. Men grow cold as girls grow old. And we all lose our charms in the end. But Marilyn Monroe. She's still hot. Well, have I you mean, seen her corpse lately? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In her all. day. In her day. Woo. I mean, Woo. she's got to dust off a few cobwebs, but. There's a reason Joe DiMaggio was all about that. That's right. Well, I said we were going to get into the mistresses. Now, we, we mentioned Marilyn Monroe. They had a bit of a... There's evidence that they had a meeting at some point. But my gut instinct says that all that is probably mm-hmm. more of a fantasy that people would have of mm-hmm. the John F. Kennedy they'd like to believe was in office. A fast-talking man about town with his penis getting... <laughs> All the action. Well, there's that one photo, though, that's quite revealing of them at that party, after party, when she went and sang happy birthday to him. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah, and there's and a video of that. it looks like they're in a, an intense, deep conversation. It's, right. a, it's a pretty revealing picture. So I think something went on. Although I did see that photo. Uh, according to what I read, though, that was cropped, and that was actually a pretty big room full of people. I, but but mm. evidence would suggest that maybe they were having a little conversation. Era, would you like a ride on Cock Force One? (laughs) (laughs) Now, there was a girl, though, that was having an affair with Mr. Kennedy, and she kind of ties into all this assassination stuff, interestingly enough. Really? Yeah. Her name was Mary Pinchot Meyer, and um, she is one of the more unique figures in this for me because, first of all, we'll, let's get into a little bit of the is history. Is that Bronson Pinchot's sister? No. Oh, okay. She got her name because she's pinchy in bed. She met John F. Kennedy at a prep school <laughs> dance in the early 60s, began an affair with the president that lasted until the time of his assassination. Wow. One year later, on October 12, 1964, Mary Pinchot Meyer was shot dead while taking an afternoon walk on a Georgetown t- uh, path in Washington, D.C. at age 43. Let me guess, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, nearly 53 years later, her murder remains unsolved. Was it a random act of violence or did someone want her dead? Quote, she was shot in the head, unquote, says author Nina Burley, who wrote about artist and socialite Mitchell Meyer in the 1999 biography, A Very Private Woman. Quote, passerby heard screams and a witness looked over the wall and saw a man standing near her body. The police came and shortly arrested a black male 
Ray Crump Jr. soaking wet, who said he fell into the Potomac while fishing. No gun was ever found. Crump Jr. pled not guilty and was acquitted at trial for lack of evidence in July of 1965. While he is still the only suspect, there have been theories that Pinchot Meyer's death may have been linked to her affair with JFK. Says Burley, the author, quote, the theory is that she had to die because she knew too much. Her murder, just 10 days after the Warren Commission report was released, makes a lot of people suspicious that she had to be silenced. That's why I feel safe. I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Burley notes, adding, she lived in a world of secrets, the secrets of spies running complicated international plots, trying to control a dangerous world at the dawn of the nuclear age. Now, adding to the mystery, in the hours after Pinchot Meyer's death, Chief of CIA Counterintelligence James Jesus Angleton broke into her artist studio, which was attached to her brother-in-law Ben Bradley's house, to find her diary. Or Bradley. Bradley, sorry. (laughs) God, how did I become host? The Bradley Bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Quote... Bradley's memoir, he revealed that he caught CIA counterintelligence, mass, counterintelligence master James Engleton breaking into Mary's studio the night of the murder and looking for her diary. Explains Burley, Bradley found the diary and, and looked at it. Now, in his 1996 autobiography, A Good Life, Bradley said Angleton confessed that his concern for the slain JFK's reputation led him to search for Meyer's diary of their affair with the intention of destroying it. When he later discovered that Angleton had preserved the diary, Bradley said he took it back from the CIA counterintelligence chief. Despite the braying of the knee jerks about some public some public right to know Bradley said his wife Pinchot Meyer's sister Antoinette Tony Pinchot burned the diary so the diary actually got destroyed really which kind of sucks how convenient right Mm -hmm. Pinchot Meyer's daughter of Amos Pinchot a wealthy progressive lawyer and Ruth Pickering Pinchot a writer and activist said quote um or was said to quote be a true American aristocrat the beautiful dot and a beautiful daughter says Burley, Mary was raised on Park Avenue, educated at the finest schools, a debutante, basically an American princess. She met JFK, like I said, at prep school. And um, then uh, Burley was uh, the national politics correspondent for Newsweek, by the way. Quote, they were teens. He supposedly cut in on her date. So he was he was like, hey, this 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 guy needs to kick rocks. Because you know what? I'm a Kennedy. Yeah. That's what Larry used to do when he was a little boy. Cut in on other guys. No, kick, kick rocks. rocks. That's all he had. <laughs> Not that old. A- Andy might remember. Uh, <laughs> smooth talking Lawrence. Um, now, after graduating from Vassar, uh, Pincho Meyer went on to marry Cord Meyer, a high-ranking CIA official in 1945. While it's not clear exactly when the affair with JFK began, Burley believes it was sometime in 61 or 62. Quote, her name first appears on the White House logs in October mm. of 62. She says, quote, she was by his side. She was often signed in when Jackie was away. Jitties. <laughs> Ed's Burley. Yeah. White House counsel Meyer Feldman told me Mary was almost a part of the furniture. Wow. Jitties. Wow. 
she stuck she stuck around. Prior to JFK becoming president, Pinchot Meyer and her husband had lived next door to Kennedy and his wife, future first lady Jackie Kennedy, while he was still a senator. And her sister Tony later married Washington Post editor Ben Bradley, one of JFK's closest confidants, further cementing their friendship. Now in his autobiography uh, autobiography why am i autobiography yes thank you <laughs> brain fart bradley claimed he knew nothing of jfk's reported affairs including with pencho meyer while the president was still alive quote like everyone else we we had heard reports of pres- presidential infidelity in the butt but we were always able to say we knew of no evidence None. They cover that up. I okay. mean, the press back then, they just kind of like treated those affairs as, okay, that's his business. Yeah, right. In the butt. But after reading Pincho Meyer's diary describing the affair, Bradley said, quote, it was clear that the lover had been the president of the United States, though his name was never mentioned. He added that he was truly appalled by the realization of the extent of the deceit involved. So... Many say Pincho Meyer, an artist and freethinker who experimented with pot and LSD, was different from JFK's other mistresses. They had an intellectual kinship. Butt sex. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Quote, it's hard to say, says Berlay. My research led me to believe Kennedy was a sex addict, and like the madmen of the TV show, she was very upper class and ahead of her time in terms of modern art, personal style, using marijuana and LSD. I bought a dildo and very much a precursor to the culture we associate with the 60s. <laughs> In April of 1962, Pincho Meyer visited Timothy Leary, a former Harvard University psycholo- psychology lecturer who later claimed in his 1983 autobiography autobi- flashbacks <laughs> that Pincho Meyer asked him to teach her how to run an LSD session. Wow. Yeah. I think we talked about drugs a few times mm-hmm. on this show, but man, I don't do good with uh, acid. I did it once and then we'll never do it again. I, yeah, I had the same situation. Leary said Pincho Meyer told him in what he later realized was a reference to JFK, quote, I have this friend who's a very important man. He's impressed by what I've told him about my own LSD experiences and what other people have told him. He wants to try it himself. Can you imagine a president on LSD? I want to. <laughs> uh can't be any worse than the last five or six we've had. I was going to say, give him a phone with Twitter and it'd be probably pretty close to what we got right now. Jitties. I will say this. <laughs> I would I think lo- Obama probably did acid. I mean, he seems like he, 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 he definitely loved to party when he was mm-hmm. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. We know that. For sure. So he probably tried that. I would like to see I would like to see H. I would like to see W. George W. Bush on LSD. <laughs> Watch him speak perfect Shakespearean. Yeah, right. Oh my God! I, I, I see weapons of mass destruction <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Don't you try it, Saddam? I know you're in here somewhere. <laughs> Get your greasy hands off my bagels. Larry said Pincho Meyer believed that if powerful men took LSD, they would have revelations that would ultimately end world conflict. I can understand that. A little anxiety slows you down. Is that a bong hit? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Quote, it's known that she smoked pot, says Burley. I also interviewed Timothy Leary in California months before his death. He confirmed to me what he had written, that she came to his place in upstate New York and asked him to try it with her, then took some back to, Leary believed, turn on powerful men. 
Yeah. Burley added, I don't think Leary was 100% a credible source on this, but he said she knew GFK, JFK had to die because he was looking to make peace with the Russians, which the military industrial powers opposed. I think they still opposed that. Yeah, yeah. some. Most. Anybody that has ties to Lockheed Martin. Right. <laughs> um, Burley added, uh, do, 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 do. skip that. Um, Pinchot Meyer filed for divorce from her husband in 1958. Here's a picture of her, by the way, which we'll post. She was really she's a, pretty. She's a cute. Mm-hmm. She looks like, oh God, I'm trying to remember. The, Helen Hunt. Who was? Uh, yes. Thinking Helen Hunt. Yeah. Like younger mm-hmm. Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Jitties. Lawrence. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That was true. Kind of looks like a Laura Dern, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. see, I've always thought that Helen Hunt and Laura Dern were like the same person. person? I get it's like the Dermot, Mul- Dermot Mulroney and the Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott. Yep. No, think. Dave Grohl and Alanis Morissette. Have you ever seen them together? I haven't. Pincho Meyer filed for divorce shortly after their nine year old son was killed in a car accident. Mm. That sucks. No kidding. Mm-hmm. All these famous or critical, important people in history, and all of them losing kids. All of them seem to have kids dying. Hmm. Hmm. You might, I don't know. You might take that as a warning of some sort. Maybe wear a condom next time, guys. Oh, Lord. Furley says, <laughs> quote, their marriage fell apart over the grief. Uh, Pincho Meyer, a pacifist, later became critical of the CIA's covert activities. Now, her husband was the head of the CIA, oh. or was a major head of the CIA. Not, not the head head, but an important person so more like um, a finger yeah or like a not a ring finger but maybe like the pinky pinky okay yeah. um whether jackie was aware of the affair is unknown quote maybe nobody knows says Berlay. she would sometimes seat them together either that meant she trusted her or she thought mary was keeping kennedy entertained in a good way they both enjoyed the penis together i guess so <laughs> while the murder remains unsolved peter janney the son of one of the top cia agents at the time has written his own book mary's mosaic claiming that his father was in on a cia plot to murder murder pencho meyer um that's pretty crazy why if you guys had to assume why do you think the cia would try to plot to murder this woman just given what i've said so far she knows too much she knows shit mm-hmm. yeah yeah but like why would they wait for so long to do it yeah it's the Blow same jobs and then there's other mentions that like um what's her name uh judith campbell exner who was Sam Giancana's mistress as well. Mm-hmm. Like she, like, I mean, she testified before the Senate committee that she had an affair with Kennedy and, and, uh, with Sam Giancana. And she claims that she was a go between and transported money and documents between, you know, president Kennedy and, and other mob people about eliminating Castro. In so, I mean, if, if anybody had, you know, motive to kill somebody, I mean, this would be a woman that they should probably would have killed. She ended up, you know, dying of uh, cancer in 1999. Mm. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. What was her name again? Judith Exner Campbell. Okay, cool. That's, that's what I was talking about. Like, uh, Kennedy shared a mistress. It was, she, he shared a mistress with, uh, uh, Sam Giancana. They both were, and they ended the fair when Hoover found out about it, and he basically told Kennedy, "You need to stop seeing her because she's seeing, you know, Sam Giancana." Right. So, God, that's fast. Jobs are great. That's fascinating <laughs> shit, man. It, 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 you know, it's weird to me. I just wonder, like, 
did he love his wife? Do you think Jackie and and I'm sure he did. I mean, yeah. but like, I mean, Kennedy men were just that's how they behaved. I mean, his father did the same thing. Robert did the same thing. Yeah, if you grew up you watching know? it, it probably seems normal. That's why. That's yeah, just how very, marriage works. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a theory Berlay rejects. After coming to believe that Pinchelmeyer was most probably murdered by Ray Crump Jr., the man charged and later acquitted of her murder, um, he objects to the um, the father was in on the CAA plot to murder uh, Pinchot. Um, quote, the evidence against him was strong but circumstantial. No gun was ever found. But my investigation led me to believe Crump was entirely capable of violent behavior, Burley wrote in a 2012 piece for the Daily Beast. Quote, his long post-acquittal record included stints in federal prison for repeat arsons and the rape of a 13-year-old. Good lord. <clears throat> Bad boy. Uh, much like that of her presidential lover, the mystery surrounding Pincho Meyer's death lives on, as does her legacy. Quote, I was told in the last few years of her life, she told friends that she thought people were breaking into her house, rifling through her things, says Berlay. I'm not sure she ever said she was afraid of, for her life. She was a bold and fearless sort of woman. Well, R.I.P. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's sad too because she seemed like a cool chick, and it's always kind of nice to hear about somebody who was that um kind of upscale and like and uh, and uh, just forward thinking with the LSD and the drugs and whatnot, and just being involved in that. It'd be cool to just. Yeah. <laughs> have some have some sort of like uh I don't know interview or anything like where she could have went on and, and maybe more information would have come from that. Yeah. Um unfortunately though she was killed. Um okay, so that that's basically up about really all I wanted to cover. I mean she she really there's a lot more information and there's a fascinating um true crime garage about Mary Pincho Meyer that I have to recommend if you want like a further breakdown of the case. Um, but I really just kind of wanted to accent her ties to Kennedy and, 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 uh, the JFK assassination. Um, now before we, get, uh, keep moving on, um, is there anything else, uh, mistress wise that you'd want to add to that, Andy, that you read other than the Campbell girl and Marilyn Monroe? And no, it's pretty much those are like the big ones. I, I mean, I'm sure I know he had other mistresses, but those are like the the big ones that like were prominent because of you know, like I said, Exner's ties to uh, Sam Giancana, Marilyn Monroe, obviously because of her fame, and then this woman too. Um, I'm not that familiar with any others. Um, is there um. I know you mentioned something about Lyndon B. Johnson. Do you know what the details were behind his his um? Oh mistress? yeah, his his mistress before she died said, "Hey, Johnson said he he helped kill Kennedy. He you know he admitted to like you know being part of the plot." Did she end up having to go in front of um a um like a federal? Uh, like I don't think she hearing? did. I think this is sort of like I think this was like a deathbed confession type thing. Oh wow! If I'm if I'm not mistaken, and then you know, um, all our kids around they're like, "Ma, come on!" <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "I was the I am the Lindbergh baby right before death." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Call CNN. Mom's going crazy. Mm-hmm. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. 
Lies, you shithead. <laughs> oh, that guy. Anyway, um, I want to bring up one last uh, article that I found in USA Today that kind of breaks down the LBJ thing um, before we... I think we're going to be ready for a verdict after this, right? We did Yahoo last. Oh, you want to do pop culture again? Okay, sweet. Um, <clears throat> I'll try to make this brief, but... Um, and Andy, if you have anything on LBJ, feel free to fire off. Um, okay. So... Um, Scottsdale, Arizona attorney Craig Zerbel maintains that there was a Texas connection in the Kennedy assassination. Now, yeah, he, he died there. <laughs> LBJ did it. <laughs> he didn't pull the... Uh, LBJ. LBJ did it, according to this article. He didn't pull the trigger, but he was in the thick of the conspiracy, according to the Scottsdale attorney who has written two books on the subject. President John F. Kennedy was shot dead in Dallas 50 years ago Friday, according to when this came out in 2013, and the attorney is certain that Lee Harvey Oswald's only involvement was as the fall guy. On a recent morning, uh, Craig Zerbel, sitting in a nondescript office in Scottsdale Air Park behind, desk, behind a desk that he says once belonged to Joseph McCarthy, McCarthy, the Wisconsin senator famous for his claims that communists had infiltrated the government. That everybody was a communist. Well, at the time, yeah. Uh, Interesting enough, though, some people were actually communists. Well, if you throw enough rocks, you're going to hit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Zerbel has written two books on the Kennedy assassination and McCarthy asked government conspiracy society. He says the public has two choices on deciding what to believe about the November day. Either Lee Harvey Oswald, a man with no motive, did it, or another theory must be devised. A majority of people, according to polls, believe the conspiracy idea and have for a long time. Zerbel del delivers his conclusions with enthusiasm, waving his arms and raising his voice. Quote, I don't believe Oswald pulled the trigger. Which is interesting. He no, I don't either. <laughs> Zerbel says... Um, the attorney has been interested in the assassination for a long time. Zerbel was in third grade when Kennedy was killed. He got a copy of the Warren Commission report on the assassination a year later, shortly after it was published. He says he did not understand much of it at the time, but he maintained his interest over the years. The report, based on an investigation by a select government committee, concluded that Oswald acted alone in the killing. That has been the official report, or... That's they still stick to that now. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they ignore the House Select Committee on Assassinations uh, verdict, which was two people. <laughs> right, but that has not stopped conspiracy theories from persisting. Zerbel has self-published two books on the subject: uh, the Texas Connection in '91 and the final chapter on the, on the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 2010. the t The titles have been well received by some people, criticized by others. Typical of the contentious and eccentric world of Kennedy conspiracy theorists. I don't think you know. And on a sidebar for a second, I don't think conspiracy theorists need to be claimed as eccentric, really, when it comes to this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it's more fun when they are. Well, it can be, <laughs> but I feel like that... Let's let's sidle that... Everybody's more fun when they're eccentric. Well, okay. Robin Williams was eccentric, yes! R.I.P. Yes. But he was fun with it, and I think the Bigfoot conspiracy theorists can be labeled more eccentric because that stuff just... <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But this stuff... You know, finding Bigfoot, hunting Bigfoot, that one show, that's just hilarious. It is. But this stuff, this, this I don't... I, I don't call this eccentric. I feel like this is more about getting to the bottom of something yeah, that's exactly. just terrifying. I mean, yep. we, our verdict, our scale. I mean, history is full of conspiracies, you know? It's yeah. Just, it's, you know? 
And it's 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 only human nature yeah. to question. Newsflash: People lie. Exactly, yeah, and the I government do. does a lot. And when it comes to something like this, you want to know, like, factually what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you thought, real quick, you touched on the Lincoln assassination. There was a conspiracy there because they were supposed to kill Lincoln and his Secretary of State, and I think another person in his cabinet. Wow. Um, and you know, it just never, the other, the, his, I think it was a secretary of state, um, was shot, but like he, he, he didn't, he didn't die. And then another person was supposed to be like killed and I guess the per- assassin never made it to where he was supposed to be. So that was a conspiracy right there. He couldn't get an Uber. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uber was late. Um, okay. So now, um, now. I'm sorry. Zerbel has, like I said, published those two book, two books, and um, one of them, uh, one of the people that's spoken about this to him is uh, political strategist Roger Stone, uh, the author of "The Man Who Killed Kennedy: The Case Against LBJ." Now, Roger Stone, um, he was on the same that I mentioned the Alex Jones Infowars video. They were talking specifically about that. And I do recommend you seek those videos out because the first thing you find when you, when you search JFK assassination is these videos Mm -hmm. with Alex and Roger Stone talking and they are well versed in this stuff. Um, Craig Zerbel did some of the earliest and most important seminal work on LBJ's involvement in the murder of JFK stone said in an email. I have used his book, the Texas connection with, with attribution. I have tried to build on the solid foundation built by Zerbel. Now, not all assassination buffs agree. It is easy to find numerous commentators who believe Zerbel misrepresent, misrepresented some of the data. The title of the book gives away Zerbel's position that Vice President uh, Lyndon B. Johnson and his associates in Texas were behind the assassination. If Oswald did not pull the trigger and Zerbel provides a list of reasons he believes he did not, then the explanation becomes more elusive. Those who have interest in the case know the scenarios. The Central Intelligence Agency, perhaps upset by changes in the agency that followed the failed Bay of Pigs invasion aimed at ousting Fidel Castro from leadership in Cuba, that being that CIA wanted to smack Kennedy in the butt and say, what the fuck? You're nutty. The mafia, arguably because of law enforcement moves against organized crime by the Kennedy administration. Now, these... I mean, there were mafia ties, according to what we, what I was well, able back then. The mafia, <laughs> they owned a lot, right? They ran a lot. Um, Anti-Castro Cuban exile groups upset about Bay of Pigs failure, perhaps working closely with the previous two groups. Others, including the military industrial complex, a government agency such as the FBI, Southern segregationists, the Soviet Union or American conservatives. Zerbel, Zerbel makes the case that Johnson and only Johnson had the motive, the means, and the opportunity to mount a conspiracy against the president. The motive, political gain. There were political differences, personal issues, Johnson's involvement with several scandals, and his desire to become president before he got too old. The opportunity Kennedy's visit to LBJ's home turf in Texas, Johnson and his associates controlled many of the trip's details. Um... Didn't you bring up, I, f- I saw this again, but you might have brought it up in the last episode, that uh, Kennedy's secretary actually warned against him? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, the means, shots by multiple gunmen firing from the direction of the now infamous Grassy Knoll, hired perhaps by Johnson's associates in the oil business who had ties to the mafia, Zerbel insists, 
there were at least two shooters. He also emphasizes that as President Johnson had the means to block any serious investigation, which is true. Yeah, especially I mean, if he's the one who ordered the military to take over the autopsy. Right. And Oswald, um, his movements, his statements, and his background make no sense if he was the lone gunman, Zerbel says. Even the sight of the fatal shots was out of whack. Oswald would have a much easier target several seconds earlier as the motorcade slowed to turn twice, Zerbel notes. It's the awkward turns rather than the otherwise direct route the motorcade took that strikes Zerbel. Quote, it's the thing that blows my mind away, he says. It's the Dan Kennedy's. Like, hey, damn it. <laughs> it's the you look at the timing, the, the, limousine, or the limo is supposed to pass the books depository like at a certain time. And it, ran, it was running late because Kennedy stopped to shake people's hands along the route. So yeah. if Oswald was the assassin, he surely like, kind of took his time to get up there, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't make any sense. Um, quote, it's the first time a route ever ha- was changed from what the Secret Service had established. Mm. The revised route took the motorcade directly past the Texas School Book Depository building in Dealey Plaza, site of the grassy knoll from which many theorists believe the shots were fired. Zerbel says John Conley, the Texas governor, had insisted upon the arrangement. Conley was an ally of Johnson. He, in mm. fact, had lost a fight over motorcade seating arrangements, was forced to ride with Kennedy, and was wounded in the shooting. Zerbel also points to a state to statements by two known participants in his conspiracy, Oswald, who shouted, I'm a patsy, which we brought up before. Um, to well, near- if he's transgender, that's cool. <laughs> my name is Patsy. Saying, my name is pa- he's, he was trying to say my name is Patsy. Yeah. He was he's, complete- Patsy. he's like, I'm Patsy. It's a misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah it's a misunderstanding. Um, he shouted to nearby reporters at the Dallas jail and Oswald's killer, Jack Ruby, who was quoted as saying, if you knew the truth, you'd be amazed. Mm. But it's been 50 years and no conclusive... It's been longer than 50 years and no conclusive evidence has emerged. Zerbel says the public is beginning to lose interest in this assassination. He says he had he never had interest in the minutia and is losing int- interest generally. He's begun to sell off his assassination memorabilia, including the replica of the car the president was riding in that fateful, that fateful day. Why would you want a replica of the car? Well, look... I know. There, there's, well, look, there, there's a replica of the car. It's not the actual car. <laughs> look at... um. Hitler's uh, automobiles up for auction right now and ex- expected to reach like a, a historic number. Mm. Like who wants that? It's a Nazis Hit- Hitler's car. Fair enough. <laughs> we have a few of them in America, but David Duke might want it. Uh-huh. <laughs> David Duke, Duke. mobile. <laughs> it would totally be David Duke. He's Quick right. to the bracist mobile. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Media calls have slowed down, too, bumping back up only because of the significance of the anniversary. He still wants the public to see the case for what it is. Quote, all I want to get out, he says, is that there was no lone assassin and there was a conspiracy. Unquote. He and his like-minded investigators in the field have to be gratified with their efforts, although the numbers have slipped over the last decade. According to a recent survey from the Associated Press conducted in mid-April 59% of Americans think multiple people were involved in a conspiracy to kill the president, while 24% think Oswald acted alone and 16% are unsure. Wow. That's pretty solid, like, holy shit. Yeah, like, we're not buying your bullcrap. Right. A 2003 Gallup poll found that 75% of Americans felt there was a conspiracy, and that's even 
more certain. Uh, the Oswald acted alone results, meanwhile, are the highest since the period three years after the assassination when 36% said one man was responsible for Kennedy's death. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Lot, no, it's <laughs> not. That's, that's, what's, that's what's shocking, is that even though you know the press is going to p- portray things a certain way, the facts were out there, and at a time when we didn't have YouTube or the internet, mm-hmm. we just had people's word of mouth, and people were still like, "WTF?" Scary. Yep. But that's that for the info on the on the LBJ. A little bit side note from Mister Zerbel. Um, all of this stuff, we're definitely going to have to post like a nice long list of reading material and um, sites. Yeah, different. Definitely put the Wiser books up there. Yes, for sure, for sure. For sure. Um, anyway, so I think it's time for a verdict. Mm-mm. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Pop culture. My bad. It's time for the pop culture minute with Josh. Sonic, Sonic Boom! Boom. Alrighty. So I'm just going to extrapolate a little bit more on what we had last week. Oh boy. So, I mean, because like I said, there is so much stuff. Uh, and there's a couple other things I thought were pretty interesting. First thing uh, I'm going to mention here is the film PT 109. No, that's not a stormtrooper, by the way. Starring, Six people got that. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Cliff Robertson in 1963. Released in July of 63, PT-109 was the first feature film to depict the life of a United States president who was still in office. Robertson portrays Kennedy during his time as a U.S. Navy officer. Hmm. Yeah, thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, This is something that when April and I read it, we were actually pretty surprised about. Uh... I, I think everybody knows the song by Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence. So everybody knows the song Sound of Silence, I'm assuming, by Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. yes. Paul Simon wrote The Sound of Silence in February of 64 amid the aftermath of the assassination. Huh. The song released in February 65 capsulated Simon and Garfunkel to mainstream prominence, obviously. So. Only took one dead president. Yeah. And then. The Beach Boys, The Warmth of the Sun. Brian Wilson and Mike Love were writing The Warmth of the Sun on the morning of the assassination, just hours before Kennedy was murdered. Hmm. They returned to the studio that night to finish the track, deciding it would serve as a dedication to the president's memory. Sun was released in October of 64. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was was pretty neat. Um, Now... Do you guys happen to know there is one actor who always plays as JFK in any movie that's released nowadays? Oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, I can't remember his name. Shit. Brett Stimley, as well, is might as well be known as the go-to actor for JFK cameos. He's played the president in Watchmen, Transformers Dark of the Moon, Kill the Dictator, and Parkland. Is What was his name again? Brett Stimley? Stimley. Huh. Yeah, like, if, if you look at him, he looks remarkably like JFK. Good for him. Yeah. The Watchmen, <laughs> there's a there's a photo from the movie The Watchmen where it looks pretty uncanny. Now, there was a, a miniseries 
uh, let me see, in 2011 called The Kennedys. That's Greg Kinnear, right? Hey. Playing uh, Kennedy. I believe, yes, yes. Uh, Before it was even cast, the miniseries was the subject of endless scrutiny. Historians lambasted the script, and by the time the eight-part project was set to air, many TV reporters labeled it as a disaster. The History Channel declined to air the miniseries, and reviews were mixed. Still, the Kennedys racked up four Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Miniseries of or Movie and Outstanding Lead Actor in a Miniseries or Movie for both Greg Kinnear and Barry Pepper, the latter of whom won. Hmm. And then after that, I, I, I'm kind of surprised I didn't mention this last week, but my favorite... Uh, showing of Kennedy in any film ever, Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that. Well, isn't... Uh, I thought that was LBJ in that, when he's drinking the Dr. Peppers. No, he also meets Kennedy in that. Oh, right, yeah, right, right. Yep, and with that, it was actually a real footage of Kennedy, and then Forrest Gump is superimposed into that shot. That movie deserves a rewatch every couple years. It's good stuff. Never seen it. It's re- oh my god. Okay, oh it's my hands god. down one of my favorite movies. <laughs> of it's all so time. much fun. Yeah, is that awesome. it? That is. That's well, all. I've, I got, I've got one more, and Andy might know who this is. It's comedian Von Meter. He did an. He would release albums. The last one, I, I, the big one was the First Family, which was a. Spoof. Oh yeah, yeah. You remember didn't, that? Didn't, didn't Larry have some of those I, records? Yes, and I have it now actually. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's really kind of sad because Von Meter was really coming on as this comedian who could do an impersonation of the president, and then boom, his career literally ended yeah. right after the assassination. Yeah. All right, guys, you've waited oh for it. Episode two. Oh, oh, real quick before we start, before yeah. we start. Two other songs that were about the Kennedys. Uh, Peter Gabriel's Family Snapshot. I don't know if oh, you heard that. It came out yeah, in 1980. No, oh, yeah. That's on, uh, that's on uh, I think that's on Peter Melt. Or it's, yeah, Melt. Yeah, it's Melt. And then the Human League, the song Seconds, which is off their Dare album, which came out in 1981. That's that crazy. I never then. knew. I'm I'm literally like the biggest Peter Gabriel fan on the planet. And I, I always thought Family Snapshot was about something totally different. But now I'm going to listen to that song again tonight. And ruminate on oh, yeah. that one. Totally about the assassination. Yeah. That's awesome. From like Harvey, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald's point of view, basically. Oh, wow. Oh, huh. Well, it makes the lyrics feel even creepy in a way. Awesome. Well, you've waited for it. It is time for us to have a verdict. In one corner. We're going to go with four podcasters you trust with your life, plus a guy on the phone who's like an expert. <laughs> in the other corner, Lee Harvey Oswald, Jack Ruby, LBJ, Marilyn uh, Casket, Monroe? Marilyn Monroe, probably Joe DiMaggio in the back. And a whole bunch of chicks. And a, and a whole bunch of chicks we probably didn't mention. And a CIA guy who's his first day on the job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. It's time to figure out who killed JFK. I am going to go. Do you guys want me to start or do you think? Well, I'm going to go last. Andy, why don't you start us off if you want? 
All right, here's my take. Just from all the research I've done, it, it was a combination of military, CIA, um, FBI, uh, rogue agents, basically kind of doing their own thing, kind of like the deep state. Do you um, think LBJ had a hand in it, though? Yeah, I believe he knew maybe. I don't think he planned it. I knew he probably was involved at some point and just let it happen. I don't think he was the mastermind. There's too many powerful interests that, you know, had bigger motives to kill Kennedy. Right. So I think he basically let it happen. And hmm. I can dig that. Larry? Oh, I think that... Everybody kind of wants to point that Oswald didn't have something to do with it, but I think you kind of need him to have something to do with it in order to pin it on him. Mm-hmm. But he was certainly not alone. And he was certainly, whether he knew he was wrapped up into it or not, mm-hmm. it seems like the, it, the way things shook out, that they kind of let him do it mm-hmm. because they didn't check the they didn't check anything they slowed like they slowed down the um procession like Andy was saying i think they just let him have something to do with it and there were certainly other parties involved well, and i think lbj had a big hand in it Right on. Of course, my expertise is not, I'm just whatever Andy said. That's what I'm going to say because he's the expert on this. April. Uh, yeah, I think Larry's absolutely right that there were too many factors that it it couldn't have been just him acting alone. I think certainly the military had something to do with it, um, but they needed a fall guy, so they just kind of let Lee Harvey Oswald do his thing so they could pin it on someone. Yeah, whether he was a, a willing willing participant or you know like fall guy, or he just was screwed. They lied and said something else to get him there. Right? Who knows? Right on, Josh. Oh man! All right. I think that there were a lot of people involved in this. But I think a lot of people also didn't know what the full plan was. I certainly think that Johnson was part of the process, but I think he also wanted to not know. It was like it was like, okay, you guys are going to do this. I'm cool with it. I don't want the details at all. Do not tell them to me because then he's he's liable. He knows too much. If you maybe inadvertently didn't say didn't even say that just kind of tried to act like he didn't notice that his friend was upstairs date raping somebody or like well, something yeah. bad was going on the less that he knows about the the plan the, the the more surprised i guess he could be too as to what is going on i think that lee harvey oswald was not the lone gunman and in fact I mean, I, I think we've all seen the the pictures of how the the where he was in the in the depo- depository, the uh, library. The library. Uh, <laughs> those shots. I mean, the fact that you have the two best snipers in the United States military cannot pull that those shots off. Yeah, that's a big deal to me. Now. The fact that he there's three shots in eight seconds. He's using a bolt action rifle, if I remember correctly. Yep. yep. How do the you sights were, the sights were off? Yep. How do you pull off a the shot without sights and b? How do you shoot and reload and shoot reload and shoot in eight seconds? And that to be able to aim and land the shots. 
That to, to me, that's it's it's and, impossible. And you miss the first shot, which is usually the one that you're going to hit with. Right, because that's when your sights are set perfect. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. and then after that, I'm sure your adrenaline starts kicking in, and oh, yeah. so I don't think that actually I don't think he shot the president at all. I think he did fire a shot, but I don't think he hit the president. And I think there was someone else. And the fact that we have uh, everything with Jack Ruby, why would he want to shoot him and kill him unless there was something else, uh, uh, like a hit put on Oswald, so that way you're taking out. Someone that probably does know something that's going on. So I, I think it was actually Lyndon B. Johnson and the United States government are the ones that killed JFK. Well, guys, we've heard a lot of information these last two episodes. Some of it we we kind of breezed through. And like Andy was saying, you could spend an entirety of a podcast uh, like starting a podcast that would just be dedicated to all the information. It could have sussed through more of the files that were released, but and I want Andy to should it. host it if we do it. Yeah. Right. Um, this is the thing. There's a lot of, there's a, there are a lot of theories. I don't think it had anything to do with aliens. I don't think it, I don't think it had anything with an umbrella man. I don't think it was a secret service agent who dropped his gun or accidentally fired on the president. I think, like all of my fellow podcast hosts, that it had a lot to do with setting up a fall guy and a plan that went beyond levels of government that we can even fathom. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they thought JFK was a softy. You know, he wanted he wanted to see peace with the Russians. He wanted to see peace with the with the Cubans. He wanted he wanted he didn't want the Cold War to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, the magic bullet thing is weird to me. The fact that what Josh with, what Josh brought up with the uh, um, three shots fired in an eight seconds with a bolt action rifle and and hitting him twice and one of those bullets passing through him and hitting the governor. I mean, it's, it's all so crazy to me. And they didn't even come up with that theory until they were just about to finish the report. Right. Really? Because they found out they found out some guy was hit with a stray bullet and he kept saying, "Hey, I got hit with a bullet. Here's the mark." And I got, you know, a cop, you know, told, you know, I went to a cop and told it and they hmm. finally couldn't ignore it cuz it was put in the press. And finally, they went, "Okay, we got to figure something out cuz that means there's four bullets. We and it's supposed to be three bullets." You know, because there's no way Oswald could do four bullets in, in eight seconds. Right. So that's how they came up with the magic bullet theory. I think with Oswald specifically, they took a terrorist, put him in a building, and draped a Norman Rockwell painting of Americans in front of him. He wanted he wanted probably to do damage to Kennedy, but I don't think I don't think necessarily he was the shooter. I don't think that means anything that he was a sharpshooter in the military, because even like I said, yeah. I was a sharpshooter in the military. Yeah, don't, and as you probably know, <laughs> you have to practice. It's not like riding a bicycle. Right. There is no evidence of Oswald practicing shooting his rifle exactly. the entire time up and, until the assassination. Yep. Yep. He was a fall guy. He was a perfect fall guy. Well, and like you had mentioned earlier, the whole autopsy thing that they rushed in and they were trying to get his body out. There's too many suspicious things happening all at once. Yep. That's why we covered this, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fucking creepy shit. Yeah, we'll have to do another episode on this. Yeah, for sure. We'll come back in six months once they release the rest of those files. There's more to cover, too. And uh, I can't wait to do it with you guys. So that's it. That's the verdict, folks. Nice. All right.
and as is every episode of this show, it's time to end with a quiz. Let's get quizzical, quizzical. I want to get quizzical. Let's get into quizzical. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to say, I don't know if it's been said, I'm so glad that you were able to get Olivia Newton-John to record that quizzical. It it took some uh, string pulling. Yeah. I had a lot of pud pulling, but I got it done. <laughs> oh, Lawrence. Ladies and gentlemen, you know how to play the game. Actually, Andy doesn't. You buzz in with your name, and then you say the answer. You get a point. Five questions here. And this is on 1960s pop culture. Ooh. Ooh. Who had a U.S. top 10 hit with the song, When Will I Be Loved, in 1960? Is that multiple choice? A, Linda Ronstadt, B, Roy Orbison, C, Ricky Nelson, or D, the Everly Brothers? Josh. Josh. The Everly Brothers. That is correct. Good job. Way to go, Josh. Question number two. What ship ran aground on the shore of an, quote, an uncharted desert isle marooning its crew on Gilligan's Island? Oh, oh shit. God. Gilligan's oh. Island. A. SS Gillian. B. SS Seaman. <laughs> C. SS Mariner. D. SS Minnow. Josh. Ryan. Josh. A. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was incorrect. Ryan, 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 Ryan. Ryan. D. SS Minnow. That is correct. Josh one, Ryan one, April zero, Andy zero. What was her name? Ginger? Ginger. Mm-hmm. She was hot. Mm-hmm. I got a thing for 50s, 60s women. I always liked the professor. Oh, really? I thought he was sexy because he didn't was he, smart. Didn't he have a pipe in his mouth the whole time? No, you're thinking of pants. Thurston Howell the <laughs> Third. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Recorded in 1964, which Beatles hit song has the lyric, You know I work all day to get you money to buy you things. Oh, fuck. I know that... Uh, is this multiple? Choice? A, a hard day's night. Ryan. A. <laughs> Sad that I had to do multiple choice on that. <laughs> There's oh, so was, many songs. I'm, are, like, I'm trying to play them in my head. They're always talking. They're always bitching about how they got to work hard for their woman and stuff. Ryan two, Josh one. Question number four. April's going to come back and get it at the fifth question. Anyways. The first NFL <laughs> Super Bowl was played in January of this year. A, 1966, B, 1967, C, 1968, or D, 1965. Josh. Josh. 67. That is Damn. correct. Damn. The Green Bay Packers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 35 to 10. Mm, I got a plan knowing sports information, but now I'm watching sports. <laughs> I sometimes watch sports. Josh, two. Really? Ryan, two. April, zero. Andy, zero. Question number five worth 16 points. Ooh. Oh, here we go. Which song was written about Jenny Boyd, sister of Patty Boyd, by British singer Donovan in 1968? A. Jenny Jenny. B. Jenny Take a Ride. C. Jennifer Juniper. Or D. Dig Me Out Jenny. Josh. Josh. I'm going to go with B. You are mm. incorrect. Ouch. I always, I always choke on the last Ryan. What was C and D? C was Jennifer Ju- Juniper. Or D was Dig Me Out Jenny. C. Woo-hoo! Ryan, you are correct, and you win this week's 
quizzical. Quizzical. I was going to say, what, I win a hug from Larry at the end of the show? You do. You win a hug. You get a piece of cake. And a piece of cake. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Because guess whose birthday it is today? That's true. Hey, if you're out. Happy birthday, Larry. Thank you. You should all sing right now. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. We should do it as Elvis. You should do it as Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday, Mr. President. All right, that's enough. (laughs) Oh, God. I was getting turned on. I was going to put the cake on my head and pull my head through it. Oh, boy. That's a waste of pie. It cake. sure is. Or pie if you do it with pie. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I love pie. Well, Andy. Cream pies. Thanks for coming on, my friend. It's, yeah, it was a blast. We'll have to have you on some more, oh, obviously. Oh, oh. Um, it was a blast, really. <laughs> we have, we've got uh, tons more to cover in the future. We've got down the pipe. We got so much. I don't want to reveal too much, but I'm sure you know some of the big, big heavy hitters we got to cover in the future. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, where were you? 9-11 for sure. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That'll be the big one. Um, That'll be a 11 partner. Clinton body count. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Clinton by the numbers. We, yep. Yeah, we've been That shoot, one's been we've been shooting, for a while. Yeah. We've been shooting messages back and forth about that. Shooting? One. Shooting them like people been committing suicide with, in the, with a shot behind their oh, own head. These episodes are going to be a shoot and a holler. That's true. Well, um, let's go out with some plugs. Josh, where are you when you're not here? Potty Slam Podcast. Yeah. That's where we go, where we talk about professional wrestling and stories involving that from the locker room and beyond. You can find that on Facebook, Twitter, and Podomatic. And of course, you can find me on the Women with Wine podcast with my dear friend Amy. Uh, we drink a bottle of wine and talk women's stuff. So come check us out. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Podbean. That's how we're on Thursday, right? Yes, sir. Sweet. And you can catch me, of course, on the EFIS, EFISpodcast.net for baseball history. And we will be back Valentine's Day. Yay! Woo-hoo. Romance in the air, Josh. Oh, uh, Andy, do you have anything you want to plug? And nothing at this point. I mean, if you want to send me a friend request on Facebook, you can do that. Andy Shatner. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll probably plug Gordon Finn, too, when that comes out. But that's not ready to come out yet. No? Well, keep us updated, man. Even if you're not on, you can always let us know when something big happens. I'm sure people will like to hear it. So. All right. Cool. Um, Anyway, our show is on Facebook and Twitter at Conspiracy T Show, where we post links when every episode drops. You can rate and review us on iTunes. We greatly appreciate five stars because that just makes us want to work harder. Because it's better than four stars. It is better than four stars. Um, Also, send us an email. Show request a story of a cryptid. Anything in your life. Maybe you just want to tell us about a great taco you had. ConspiracyTherapyShow at gmail.com is where you send that in info um and yeah this was fun i'm glad we covered this i don't know a lot of conspiracy shows that i can think of off the top of my head that have covered jfk because Mm. i think it's kind of a biggie and oh it's like the conspiracy right yeah for sure for sure well it's one of the that's a big one (laughs) one of the biggest biggins yeah for sure well i've had a blast i've had a blast thank you trump and um anything else anybody would like to add before we close this bad bear out well that dead airspace says it all ladies and gentlemen (laughs) we'll see you next week on another episode of conspiracy therapy have a great one
presentation of Beer City Media. 